At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Unstoppable, Bound in His Love, Freed by His Spirit, where we're journeying through what many call the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, to uncover a more lasting force than hard work and a more enduring purpose than momentary success. You know, I am so thankful to... Um for Ben, for Madison, for Tracy, for Austin, uh, for all of those teams that work alongside them to impact this next generation today, I think is a, a powerful picture of what we believe about next-gen ministry as a church, whether it's kids' ministry, whether it's student ministry. We don't believe that we are the primary discipleship vehicle. We believe that we're partners in that. You see, we get one to two hours a week with your kids or, or with the teens. That's what we get. We get one to two hours. The rest of the time, they're with you. So there is this partnership that happens. That's really what these family Sundays are about. In the first service, we had a couple families uh, dedicate their children. So that was just a beautiful time. If you'd like to go onto Facebook later on this afternoon and view that, it'll be on there and you can see it. But just such a, a beautiful morning. Uh, before I get going with the sermon, there's two things I want to share with you. Um, first of all, if you smelled something weird coming in, like a gas-type smell. Anyone kind of, yeah, yeah, there's definitely some faces doing this at me. Here's what happened on Friday. I'm giving you the short version of the story. On Friday, Kip, uh, I'm, Fridays are my days off, so he's messaging me going, hey, boss, like there's a weird smell in the worship center. Not quite like in your kitchen when you turn the gas on, but mm, there's a smell. And by later that afternoon, Patty was contacting me going, no, it's actually not good. This is, this is bad. Uh, so they came out on Friday evening. They shut the gas down to the whole building. The leak was actually outside. It was just kind of getting up here through the vent system. On uh, yesterday morning, it was pre-9 a.m., they had come out. They'd repaired the pieces, like a 2% leak out there. But anyway, everything had been repaired. It got back on. But that's what you're smelling is the remnant there. I thank you for your grace with all of that. The other thing is the parking. I know parking's kind of been an issue. And today it's really bad because we got that whole lot shut down. The hope is everything is leveled now. We just need a couple nice days. That's all we need, a couple nice days. They can knock that thing out and be done, and we can have a fully functional parking lot out on the West End. Uh, so hopefully by next weekend, we are ready to go again. Uh, last thing, real fast, because I mentioned it in the first service, and I don't know if Kip was in the first service or in this one, but we were talking as a staff team. We're excited about Christmas because Christmas is coming. Like Christmas is coming so soon. So like we're writing out on the whiteboard all these ideas of things we can do on different weeks. And all I'm going to say is the word handbells. That's all I'm going to say. You don't get anything. Has anyone ever done handbells? Raise your hands. Okay. All right. Be listening over the next week or two for when practice will be. It's going to be wonderful. So I ain't going to say anything. I won't give anything away, but just know that's coming. Okay. So some of you guys, I know you because we've talked and everything. And some of you, you're real quiet in your home. You know, you like come in and you're home is very relaxed and it's very peaceful, very sanctuary. And it's, you know, at dinner, it's like, will you 
pass the mashed potatoes. And that's kind of your house. That ain't my house, y'all. That is not what my house is like. There's dogs chasing other dogs around the house, barking at each other. The TV's on. It's real loud because it's got to get louder than the dogs. And then there's chit-chat going on nonstop. The dinner table, there's no quiet at our dinner table. And if it gets too quiet, someone's going to throw out a question, which I'll come back to, but a real fast story. My boys, I'm not going to mention which one in case he's watching online, um, but one of my boys, because he's in Texas, but one of my boys <laughs> at one point, he um, was talking to Amy and he was in middle school and he's like 100 miles an hour, he's talking. And I don't remember if it was computers or video game. I think it was computer games. And he's just like, you know, real fast. And Amy, Amy looks at him and she goes, honey, I know you're speaking English, but I don't know what you're saying to me, so I'm not listening. And he goes, you should love your kids, by the way. Be with them every step of the way. They're all precious and beautiful steps. Anyway, he looks at her and he goes, oh, I know, Mom. I just like to talk. And he just kept going. You know, he didn't even care. I just want to give you backstory so you'd understand where I'm going. Because if you're that type of family, you've already answered this question and you're ready for it. If you're the quiet family, I'm going to give you some think time. But I want you to think about... If you could have any superhero power, what power would you, it doesn't have to be one that one of the superheroes have. Because like later on, people are going to be ding-dong in your house or knock on the door. And some are going to be like, ooh, I'm scary. But my favorite are the ones who come in like, I am a superhero. Like I like those, right? And so they're going to come in. So if you could have any power, any kind of superhero power, what would you have? Here's what we're going to do. When I say go, you're going to go this way and you're going to share with the person there. And then you'll go this way, and you're going to share with the person here, because I want everyone to participate, because I'm watching you. Ready? Go. Amy, I see you. you got to turn around. You're not playing either. What do you say? Disappear. That's a good one. Amy's is fly. Yeah. All right. So I heard a lot of different answers real fast right there. You know, we have people saying I'd disappear, people saying I would fly. Some people try not to participate at all. They just want to sit all by themselves and not play this game. We're not going to call anyone out, though, you know. And so we have all these different answers. Some are like, I would want to be able to do the Hulk smash thing. That's what I would want to do. When I get angry, it's okay that I smash things. That's what I would want. We have all these different answers. Here's the thing. All of us in this room, what we were really saying is, I'd want to be unstoppable, right? I would want to be unstoppable, at least more unstoppable than whatever you came up with. And so we're all judging when we answer. We're all judging like, oh no, yeah, yours actually was better than mine. Your power was way better than my power. Or inside you're going, mm, no, I'd win that battle. Unstoppable. Today we're starting a brand new sermon series called Unstoppable. That's what all that was about. We're starting a new sermon series called unstoppable. And I'm so excited about this series because for the next five weeks, we are going to camp out in the book of Romans chapter 8. Take your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, as we look at this theme of unstoppable, you know, there are verses in the Bible that we go back to again and again, like I've hidden your word in my heart. Lord, I've hidden it so that I won't sin against you. 
Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Right? We have these verses that we'll go back to again and again and again. Romans 8, what I love is Romans 8 is packed full of those kind of verses. Like today, we're going to look at how there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been looking at this over the past uh, few months, really, at how if we go back in the story, back to Adam and Eve, that's where sin ended up entering the story. Sin is where Adam and Eve said, God, we want to live apart from you. We want to do things our way. We want what we want. We're not going to chase what you set out for us. We want to have this life that's independent from you. And from that day to this day, we have all continued that exact same journey. God, I'm going to rebel against you. I'm going to push away from you to do it my way and what I want. When we do that, we are marked by sin and death. When we do that, we are marked by sin and death. That is condemnation. That's what condemnation is. It's when we are marked by sin and death. The power of Romans 8 Paul is going to show us how all of a sudden there is this change that happens. In fact, that brings us to our big idea that our new location removes our condemnation. Our new location removes our condemnation. Let's start reading Romans 8, starting in verse 1, as we see that in Christ the Spirit frees us. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So Paul makes a statement. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But then look at that first word of verse number two. It's the word for. I would circle that in my Bible. Because that word for, he's saying because, and then he's going to give an answer. Let me explain why. Let me unpack that for you of why. And he says our whole location has changed. We used to be in sin and death. But now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a family service. We've got a lot of kids in the room. So I was trying to think through how do I do an illustration to help explain this, because there's a lot of theological meat here. How do I unpack this? You guys all know uh, my wife, Amy, she's a school teacher. She has taught fifth grade. She's taught fourth grade. She's taught third grade. She's taught first grade. She's taught kindergarten. This year is a kindergarten year. And so I said, Amy, I need you to help me with an illustration. So help me in welcoming Amy to the stage this morning. So... Um, Back in the day when our boys were real little, we've already shared that it was a noisy house, but we always had well, stories. There's us too. There you know. were, I'm quiet. What oh, are you talking no. about? <laughs> so uh, we always had story going on, whether it was story through movies or reading, reading stories, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes, or we would just make up our own story. Right. Like we could be driving down the road, no quiet driving down the road. The radio's going or we're telling a story, we're making it up. And so I just... I want everybody here to see how we would make up a story. Hey. Like, just give them, like, this is what it looked like. So hey. the first thing I would do is I would say, like, pretend I'm driving down the road. I would say, 
okay, guys, we're going to do a story time. I need a setting. Setting is important, right? Setting. Right. Set, setting is a very important part. Almost of a like story. a character. The setting is yes. almost can be almost right. like a. So yeah. give me any setting you want to give me. All right. So any we. Um, I love the mountains, so I think we should stick with the mountains. The mountains are beautiful. I, ma mountains are great, but mountains kind of like remind me of the Hobbit, no. which is a really long story, and I need a fast so, illustration. Okay, so, so he's going to make me yeah. change. Yeah, like any one. setting, but that setting. Uh, anything but so that. So it's like a setting. land from a faraway place. So, That's more what I was thinking. Okay, exotic. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking um, dunes. Dunes, Sleeping Bear Dunes, no, Sleeping no, Bear no, Dunes. No, 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 I'm thinking With like Lake Michigan. sand. Sleeping Bear Dunes. And it's hot. In the summertime. With no water. Like a desert. What is that? What? A desert. A desert, a desert. Like right. What, what a desert, desert. Are, you, are you thinking? I'm thinking the Sahara Desert. <laughs> what, what, what did you just say? The Sahara that's not how you say it. I, th I think so. It's the way I say it. You, you say Sahara? Are you very or proper now? I am very proper. She's Amy, the proper girl. Uh, Sahara, Sahara, what, you know, tomato, tomato, whatever. Okay. So it, we have this desert. do not question what I say. It's my turn now. I'm going to pick a character because I can pick any character. So I'm going to pick the bad guy. That's the character. Billy, the character. No. We love Jesus, not a bad character. This is a fictional story, so oh. we're going with a bad guy. No, so I got a, a bad, a bad guy, guy okay, but the bad okay. guy has to have motivation, right? What's motivating him? What does he want? Amy, what do you um, think? Okay, bad guys always want money. He wants money, yes. train loads of money. Yes, lots of lots money. Lots of money. Okay. But, but why? Money leads to, what does he really want? Oh, oh they want Power. He wants money so he can have power because he wants to be unstoppable, unstoppable which is the name of the sermon series. All right. <laughs> so unstoppable. So we had this guy who wants it's all this power and, and he's power in the power and money. Sahara. And he's in the Sahara. Yeah. And he, so he's in the desert and, and he's got to figure out how to get the power. So what, uh, what would he do to get the power? He probably needs a. He needs a genie. Okay. This is sounding a lot like a movie from back in the day. This is a land yeah. from a faraway place where of the caravan yes. camels roam. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It starts with starts an with A. starts with an A, ends with Aladdin. No, Aladdin is the name. Oh, Aladdin. A, Aladdin. Okay, okay anyway. You guys have seen Aladdin, right? You know that story. So you guys get the point. So the okay. story of Aladdin, you have this bad guy who wants money, who wants power, who wants to be unstoppable. And he's like, the best way to get that is through this genie. genie because the, the genie has all the power, yes, right? with but the wishes. The whole time, the genie was like, yeah, I mean, I can do things, but my location, my That's location is in that teeny tiny little lamp. I really don't have the power that I really no in wanting in life. So at the very end, the bad guy ends up saying, of course, I he, want to be a genie too. And right, he's trapped he's, in the lamp. He's trapped in the lamp. And what does Aladdin do with his last wish? But Aladdin, because he is the hero. He's a hero. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He um, frees, he frees um, the, genie. the genie from the lamp. And they lived happily ever after. And he went on vacation. Give Amy a hand, please. <laughs> All right. So you get the point, I hope, from all of that. When we place our faith in Jesus 
as Lord, it changes our location. We go from a location where we thought we were gaining power by pushing away from God. It is a location of sin and death. And all of a sudden with this new life that we have in Christ, our location changes. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that all of a sudden that's where we have our power. And it's not just a power that says, I'm going to do something good in my work today in the here and now for this momentary glimpse of time. Church is eternal. The power that we have is eternity impacting kind of power. So first point is we are not condemned. We who stand with Christ through our faith in his death, his burial, his resurrection, we do not stand condemned. Instead, point two, we're going to see how the the script flips and how in Christ God condemns sin. Look at verse number three. It says, for God has done with the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So Paul's highlighting how the law isn't what has the power to change our lives. And yet oftentimes that's how we live, isn't it? You see, some of you, you're really bad at following the rules. Like, you, you were never good at following the rules. You're, some of you are real good at it. You're real good at it. Like, if someone said, hey, don't touch this thing right here because it's hot, you would go, I'll never touch that as long as I live. I'm convinced. And someone else could touch it. They could lick it. They could do whatever. And you're like, I'm not touching it. They said it's hot. I will never touch that. I'm not going to do it. But even those of you, listen now, even those of you who for as long as you can remember, you've been really, really good at following the rules, We're not perfectly holy, are we? Maybe you're good at not touching that, but do you have your mind captive and your heart captive? Or sometimes does it get away? Sometimes does your mouth get in the way? And you say things that you ought not to say. You see, every single one of us, we stand condemned because of the sin in our lives. On our own, we stand condemned. On your own, you can't possibly be good enough for perfection. You can't do it. And that's what Paul is teaching here. He uses two key phrases. Look down, it says that Jesus was in the likeness of sinful flesh. He's talking about our triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus came in the flesh. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, isn't it? In fact, we'll we'll say the name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. Paul's pointing out that Jesus came in the flesh, fully man, yet fully God. He came to be with us. And then he uses the phrase, these two words, for sin. I want to slow way down right now. Because I think what happens sometimes for those who have been coming to church for a little bit, if you're not careful, you get used to the rhythm of my voice. You get used to the rhythm of scripture, right? You just get used to hearing these things again and again almost to the point that you're really not paying that much of attention. So when it says for sin, this is pointing to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when there was sin, there would have to be a payment for the sin. That word was atonement. You'd have to atone for, you'd have to pay for that sin. Now here's a great big, here's a great big word, a great big church word that I want you all to know. It's the word substitutionary atonement, which is really not that hard of a word, is it? Because you know what substitute is. 
a substitute. A substitute, if your teacher has to go to the doctor, well, you're going to have a substitute. They're standing in place of your teacher, aren't they? That's what a substitute is. They're standing in place of. Jesus was our substitutionary atonement. Jesus stood in the place that you and I were supposed to stand to pay the price once and for all. Now, I mentioned when my boys were little, story was pretty important around my house. We would we'd tell stories, we would watch movies, we'd read books. And of all the books I read, I don't, it wasn't even strategized this way. I mean, from the time that they were little bitty and in our hands, we'd read to them. And um, I remember one particular series, though, that was just, just different. It was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And many of you, you've seen the movie and you know the movie. This was actually before the movie ever came out. So it was really just the book. We're reading the book. And if you don't know the story, you have these kids, right? These siblings and they go through the wardrobe, which is like a closet. And they end up in this magical land of Narnia. And they meet people like Mr. Tumnus, right? And they work there. But the problem in the story is Edmund. You see, Edmund, seen here, he betrays his brother, his sisters, and he, he sides with the evil white witch, right? He, he's a traitor. He's a betrayer. And so by Narnia law, because he's a traitor, he was convicted to death. Edmund, you have to pay the price. You are a traitor against all of Narnia. You have to die now. You're guilty. See, that's, that's where this other character Named Aslan is so important. He's a, a lion, this great big lion. He represents Jesus in the story. And Aslan says, no, Edmund's not going to die. I'm going to stand in his place. And I'll never forget reading this scene to my boys. Because they cut the mane of Aslan. They laid him on the stone table. The stone table represents the law. This thing that we all try to measure up to, this thing that, that we built everything on, this thing that makes us feel the guilt and shame of the world, right? So this table represents, they laid Aslan down on the table, and the whole time my boys were waiting. They were just waiting. They were waiting for Edmund to say, no, no, I know how to fix this. I know how to make it right. They're waiting for Aslan just to gobble up everything, right? And everybody and say, there, I'm the king. I win. What are you going to do now? Like, they were waiting for some other way, but there was no other way. And when Aslan was killed right there and as he died, I'll never forget the tears that fell from their faces as their jaws were hanging open and they were just going, I cannot believe that that just happened. That's how we should feel with Jesus, isn't it? I can't believe he stood in our place, that it took the cross, that that's what my sin did. But you see, we have to have this scene to get to what happens next in the story. I just want to read from you. This is from the book. I just want to read the very next scene. Aslan is laying dead on this table. The kids are there. They are blown away. And it says, at that moment, they heard from behind them a loud noise, a great cracking, deafening noise, as if a giant had broken a giant's plate. The stone table was broken into two pieces by a great crack that ran down it from end to end. And there was no Aslan. They looked round. And then there, shining in the sunrise, larger than they had seen him before, shaking his mane, for it had apparently grown again, stood Aslan himself. 
Oh, Aslan, cried both the children staring up at him, almost as much frightened as they were glad. But, but what does it all mean, asked Susan, when they were somewhat calmer. It means, said Aslan, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backward. The cracking of the stone table is exactly what Christ did for us. I think the reason this particular book had such an impact on my kids is that's why C.S. Lewis wrote it, isn't it? He wrote it because he wanted his own grandkids to understand the richness and the power of the gospel message. That's why it was written. He wanted his family to understand. That's what the whole story was about. But we recognize that our story is not a fictional story. We have the very real story of Jesus looking, seeing the separation between us and our Heavenly Father. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, the veil of the temple, Scripture says, was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Once and for all, there no longer has to be a separation between people and our God. It is through faith in Jesus, though, that gives us the right standing. Which brings us to this point. Maybe, maybe this morning you identify a little bit with Edmund. Maybe you're in that seat and you're like, I kind of get what it is to feel like a traitor. I kind of get what it is to feel like, man, I, I've messed up. I've hurt the people closest to me. Let, me. let me ask it this way. If today you took your last breath, do you think God would let you into his kingdom? Do you think he would? You see, some of you, when I asked that question, you know what you immediately did? What did I do yesterday? That's what some of you did. How's my week been? Have I been a good boy? Have I been a good girl? That's what some of you did. You started thinking through, how's your behavior been? How good have you been at following the rules and the law? Can I tell you, that is not the gospel. The gospel has nothing to do with what you've done. It has everything to do with what God has done. That is the gospel message, church. And so if you're sitting there and you at all, you hesitated, if you're a follower of Jesus already, you just need a gut check today that all of a sudden you've drifted to start to think that it's about you. This is about what Christ has done. And if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I just want you to know that this is the incredible news of the gospel. At Jesus knew no sin. He took on sin for us. He went to the cross for us. He went to pay the price and conquer sin and death once and for all. You don't have to try to do a dance or measure up. Your faith just has to be in Christ and in Christ alone. We're going to finish with verses 5 through 8 as we see that in Christ we walk by the Spirit. Look at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So Paul says there is a difference 
in setting your mind, and he really emphasizes it here. There's a difference in setting your mind on the flesh and setting your mind on the spirit. He says, if you set your mind on the flesh and that's how you're living, you're living like an enemy to God. You're living against God's ways. You're living against everything that that the Lord is. You're living against holy, and you're going over here doing your own thing, which is against God. To live in the Spirit is different. That's where you set your mind on things of the Spirit. The best picture, a way better illustration than I could give, was the baptisms over the past few weeks. If you've missed them, man, you need to go online and you need to go back for the last two weeks, just three weeks. Go for this morning service, watch those child dedications. It was beautiful. And then go last week and watch the baptisms and go the week before and watch the baptisms. Because let me tell you a summary. I'm not going to try to use their own words because their words were so much better. But in summary, here's what they said. You had some people standing in the baptism waters who said, I was living in the flesh. I was living a life where I wanted it to be about me, about my appetite, and about what I craved. And maybe they kind of knew better. So they were like, I was being sneaky about it, right? I was being sneaky like no one's going to know. The Lord knew. The Lord knew what was going on. And you have others who were baptized who said, I just thought I was living in the flesh and it didn't even matter. Like I was just checked out. I didn't even care. But then they said this. They said, but then God but then God, but then God came in. He got a hold of my heart. He showed me what he did for me on the cross. I surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior, and my mind went from the things of the flesh to the things of the Spirit. My mind went to the things of God. And church, that doesn't mean that we're never going to sin. It doesn't mean that you're never going to mess up. That's not what that means. It means that that's where your cravings are. My cravings are for the things of God. My heart is postured towards God, not in this place where it's checked out and I don't care. It's postured towards God. I'm going towards the Lord. There's going to be a repentant heart that happens in us whenever we do have those places of sin. Because it's the spirit that's driving us. That's a power that is so much greater than the sin that's there. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Isn't that awesome? Like that's a, so, so what's been your cravings this week? What have you been thinking through? Because I'm going to tell you, it is so much bigger than what sports team you like. It is so much bigger than did you get the raise. It is so much bigger than the neighborhood you're living in. It is so much bigger than the politics of the day. It is so much bigger than the like on Facebook. Those are all temporary things in this world. We're talking about the eternal. We are talking about the eternal. You know, whenever I was young, we moved around a lot. And... um. I mean, we moved around a lot. One year, I went to four different schools, and in one year, we moved around a lot, right? And um, I, my mom, good old mama, mama liked to keep, like, my records from school. So, like, if, if I ever were to get an award, she would have put it in this book, right? If um, I had a report card, she'd put it in this book. And so, I think it was third grade, and when I looked at that little book that mama had, there were no report cards or anything stuffed in. In fact, there was nothing in the sleeve. She just wrote a single line. It said, this was a very bad year that Billy was having. <laughs> if mom's watching this, thanks, mama. Thanks for that. That's so good. Um, back in the day, things are different now. I know, like, if you don't get good grades, you might get an E today. Back in the day, they really didn't care about your emotions. They would flunk you just so you know. You get an F. 
But if you got an F back in third grade, you got to be a third grader again because you flunked. Like, you're doing that again because you didn't pass. You got to do it again. So I got straight D minuses all the way through elementary school. My teachers didn't want me again. Like, that's what that meant. They would just shake their heads going, oh, bless his heart, D minus. You can go on to the next teacher. Like, that's true. That really happened. So sixth grade, let me fast forward to sixth grade. I was um, in Welch, Oklahoma at the time, and I had this teacher named Miss Montgomery. I know in Michigan be Miss Montgomery, but it was her name, and she said her name was Miss Montgomery, and so that's what she was called. So Miss Montgomery taught math and science. First quarter finished up, so we'd gone through nine weeks of school, and they would give us our report cards, which we'd take home to mom and dad to sign, and of course, I got mine. I got a D minus, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be grounded again, but I think I'm still grounded from last time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just live grounded all the time, and so I got my report card, and I think my cheeks turned red. I put my report card in my backpack, and I'm like, I'm dead meat when I get home, and then she said, Billy, I want to talk to you after class, and uh, which happened. Like, that, that was a thing, and so... Everyone else went off to their next class, and little Billy had to stay there and talk to Miss Montgomery. And she looked at me, and I'll never forget this talk. She said, Billy, I don't care what happened in third grade, and I don't care what happened in fourth grade, and I don't care what happened in fifth grade. She said, listen, this is a new year, and you're way, way, way too smart to make a D minus. And so this is done here and now. Like, it's over. That that happened yesterday, that's dead and you're going to be a new student starting now because you're way too intelligent for this. And I'm going to tell you that broke the academic stone table in my life. And I never looked back. All because one teacher, one, cared enough to stop and say, Billy, that's done. Can I tell you what Jesus did for us is so much bigger than that. Because here's what Jesus did for us. Jesus looked at us and we were an ugly sight. We were bruised, beaten humiliated. We had nothing. We had sin standing in condemnation. That's what we had. And in that place, scripture says he loved us and he sent Jesus for us who lived a perfect and a sinless life. And he was crucified in our place. So we didn't have to pay that price that sin demands. We didn't have to pay that. Jesus took that on for us. And it is through faith in Christ that we get a right standing. So brothers and sisters, if you've been living a life trapped in the flesh, let me tell you, that is not who you are. That is not who you are called to be. And today is such a beautiful gift because we can repent. We can turn around through the power of the Holy Spirit and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. And today, if you've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior, today should be the day you surrender. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the incredible grace that you have poured out on our lives or grace, meaning we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it. We certainly can't demand it, and yet you so freely give it. Lord, I pray for my brothers or sisters in this room that maybe they have started to drift to the ways of the flesh. That even that question about Edmund, of what would you say if God asked, should I let you into my kingdom? Lord, I pray for today to be a reaffirmation of truth, of the gospel. Because Jesus came so that we could be free 
for now and for eternity. So there should be confidence in the way that we say, I stand in Christ. My location has changed. I'm no longer who I was yesterday. That me is dead and gone. That me does not exist. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I know who I am and I know whose I am. Lord, I pray for that kind of confidence today. And I pray for those who've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe they've been trying to be good enough, to measure up enough, to pray enough, to go to church enough, to have the right friends, to get the right jobs, to get the right education. And yet, Lord, today they still feel condemned. They still feel that place of guilt and shame. I pray that these are the moments where everything changes as they recognize that you love us. Even in that place where we're sinners, you you love us. And that's why Jesus came. As our substitutionary atonement to do what we couldn't do. Lord, he lived a perfect and sinless life. We recognize that truth today. When he went to the cross, it was to pay for our sin. So Lord, I pray for this place for people who have not yet believed to be able to say, I believe today that Jesus came, that he did live, that he did die, but he lived again. On that third day, he defeated sin, he defeated death, and he rose from the grave. And I'm placing my faith and my trust in that truth as Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you for continuing to take the old things and make them new again for the wonder-working work that only you can do. We worship and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Just a few moments after we finish our final song, there will be a prayer team that's going to be standing right up here. Maybe you have felt like Edmund recently, and you identify with that a little bit, or maybe the Little Billy story, you're like, I understand that one. I just need someone to pray over me. Because I feel like I've been getting a lot of D-minuses in life lately. I just need prayer for strength this week. I need prayer for wisdom and discernment. I need prayer for my mind to be not on the flesh but on the spirit. And I just want my brothers and sisters to pray alongside me. Just, Just come on up here after the service. They'll be there. And if you surrendered your life to the Lord, don't keep that secret. We'd love to celebrate with you and talk to you about your next steps in faith. Let's stand as we close our morning and worship together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.